Well, say amen, somebody. Did you miss us? We are back. We are back. We are back. Happy New Year. Happy January. Happy February, actually. Um, yeah, we're back. And I'm excited about it. I really missed you all. But, we, you know, we took time for ourselves, for our families um, to keep stay healthy um, out in these COVID streets because COVID is still real. Um, but we were definitely thinking of our Amen Corner. So welcome to Say Amen Podcast for our new listeners and welcome back to our Amen Corner. Today, we are talking about healing and wholeness um, in the new year. And I actually wanted to start the year off, start this season off with this uh, particular topic because leave the old stuff in the past, leave your hurts, um, overcome your hurts and, um, and be whole so that you can be your best self going into 2021, okay? So stay tuned. We'll have our guest, Larisha Warner, um, to talk about healing and wholeness, and she'll also be talking about her book. But first, let's get into the affirmation. The affirmation today is, we can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist by the James Baldwin. I absolutely love James Baldwin. Um, he yeah. has so many good nuggets and tweetables. Um, that voice that you hear, that is KT. What up, what man? What is up? What's up? I have missed you, David. I have missed everybody. How you miss me? You saw me doing Christmas. <laughs> well, I ain't seen you in 2021. You know what? Have we? We haven't. We well, unless you, unless you count New Year's Day. New Year's Day, yeah. Listen, I mean, Amen but... Corner, let me brag on my, my brother right quick. <laughs> so he took over my best friend, Josh. Shout out to Josh. He took over her house and he sweated his titties over this stove and this... did a New Year's brunch. Oh, the pictures. I mean, he he did the table sketch. You would have thought he was Sandra Lee semi-homemade because listen <laughs> the tablescape was beautiful carl you really did that i was like oh yeah you did that that's husband material right there hello <laughs> where they at <laughs> all right but somebody no, from the like, it, it, step up. It, it's it's been that was the i swear that was the longest year 2020 was the longest year ever yes like i feel like i need I feel like they need to put us in the Bible or the history books or something like those who have survived so. 2020. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it, I have missed, listen, I have missed y'all. Uh, we're back. We're back. We live. We yes. got some good stuff coming down the pipe. We yes. are happy to be back. We want to thank y'all again for riding with us. 2020 was a good year for us. You know, yeah. we kicked this podcast off, but we are back and yes. we're going higher and we're going to be better than ever. Absolutely. We got, we already got all of the topics laid out and we've already started ahead of schedule. So we're really, really looking good. I'm excited about all the topics. We actually had some good controversial topics too. We kept it cute in uh, season one, but season two, mm -hmm. we're going to dig a little deeper and we might make some of the saints uncomfortable with some of these topics, but you have to talk about it. And I think that's one of the problems with um, the church, um, not to get in, you know, our gripes with the church, but that's one of the problems that you go to the church to 
have these discussions, but the Saints don't want to talk about the, the real deal, the nitty gritty. They just want to say, do as I say, not as I do. But no, we you can't do that. You can't help people get free. You can't help people be their best selves if you don't tackle some of these hard issues. Um, that's and one of the reasons why I absolutely love our um, guest for this episode, because listen, she keeps it real. She keeps it real about the struggles and how she overcame them. So y'all stay tuned because this this interview with Larisha is is amazing. I really really enjoy talking to her. So stay tuned. Carl, and as we and as we always say, if you can't say amen, say out. That's you know, it. It's not going. It's not going to always be fun. That's it's not right. going to always be peaches and cream, and yeah. everybody's not going to always stroke your ego. But sometimes. Things need to be said. And if right. this is the platform that it needs to be set on, so be it. This is a safe space. But this is this is our podcast. Who gonna check us? Listen, that part. <laughs> I mean, what's up? <laughs> so you Carol, know, what is the word of the day? The word of the day is actually, it, it kind of goes in line with, with your affirmation. And it's just simply grace. Mm, grace my, can be all about my. all what you make it. You, I can give you the biblical interpretation of it. I can give you Miriam's Webster de- definition. I'm not going to even give you a definition. I'm going to let you define what you think the word grace means to you and how it's applicable in your own life. I think for a lot of us, grace carried us through 2020. Um, you know, it, grace <laughs> kept us from COVID and those who have COVID and survive, grace is still carrying us through. That so part, yeah. I, I just think grace is not something you should just take for granted. You know, it's it's not, it's freely given, but listen, let me tell y'all something about grace. That's all I'm going to say about this. God's grace does not run out, but man's does. Listen! You got so so many times to try me. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I'm going to extend you a little grace in these these relationships. But after a while, bye. That's a T. Many times, you know, people do dumb stuff in relationships and you hold on to it. And you're like, you know what? Okay, I get it. I'm a... all right, you cheated once, I may take you back. But then, after, no, 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 no. Take that up with God. <laughs> try try Jesus, don't try me. I'm good. <laughs> I love, that's a tweetable, that's a t-shirt right there. Because that was a good one about grace. Oh, man. Amen Corner. Well, as you can see, we are back and we are ready to go. Uh, welcome again to the Say Amen podcast. We've already given you um, the, the word of advice here. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Um, but most of the times you I probably will agree with us because we say some stuff that you were probably thinking anyway. Um, but Follow us on Twitter, follow us on IG, follow us on Facebook. We are back, so you'll start seeing more and more posts coming from us. Um, some extras that um, are not oh, on the podcast. Oh, oh you got to shout that. out the website. Shout out the website. Shout out the website, www.sayamanpod.com. Yes. And stay tuned because we got merchandise coming. Merchandise is coming. We keep talking about all these t-shirts and stuff. We just working with the vendor to make sure that they do their part so that you get your product. Okay. Um, Because, you know, we're trying to support our black businesses and our black T-shirt vendors and all that stuff like that. But listen, just keep us in prayer because I'm trying not to go over to the other side. (laughs) Um, Well, we never have any sponsors, so that's fine. (laughs) So we don't have sponsors yet. If anybody's listening out here and would like to sew into us, we would gladly appreciate it. No dollar is too small. That part. So whatever you feel led to do, it, as we say in church, whatever your heart so desires, feel free to sow into us. 
It's this is good ground. I'm trying to tell you. Listen, if you get in on the bottom level, I promise you, hang with us. But we have listeners, so if you have a small business or ministry that you want to promote on the podcast, reach out to us. Go to our website, um, fill out the information, and we'll contact you, and we can work some things out so that we can get your brand in front of our listeners because we do have them. Okay, Um, it's just about ears and eyeballs, and so we got them. So hit us up so let's get into the amen corner section it has been segment it has been a lot happening in january and february starting with well of course we went through new year's carl made this amazing uh new year's day brunch um and then on january 5th your cousins six january 6th <laughs> excuse me yeah. i'm sitting there working from home and you know your cousins acted a plum ass fool down at the Capitol. Now I'm a I don't, DC. I don't know them. They're not related to me. I'm a DC native, and growing up, you couldn't even sneeze on the ground of the Capitol before Capitol Police looking at you like you crazy. But clearly that's because of my darker hue and my darker melanin and skin color. Because these white people, they went... Well, first of all, they got riled up by your your ex-president, your former president. Negative 45. Negative 45. And then he talked about, well, we're all going to walk down there to the Capitol. You know, damn well, he ain't go down there to that Capitol. He sent mm-hmm. them down there. But they were planning it way before they even got on the grounds. But it's it's been it's called the insurrection so that happened on january 6th and then we had the impeachment the second impeachment and then we had a week week later later. and then a week after that we had the inauguration so january was busy january 6th insurrection january 13th impeachment and Hmm. then on january 20th we are still under this state of emergency dc's a whole fortress they got uh fences and it looks listen I served on Iraq and we didn't have troops like that in a whole war zone like DC was shut down don't pass go don't collect $200 if you walking down the street they stopped you where you going I'm sorry you can't go here and so and let me and let me just say this white privilege showed its ugly head during the DC lockdown during inauguration week because you have these Caucasians that live on Capitol Hill that started complaining, oh, I can't walk out my door. But y'all didn't have no problem pushing the black folks out to move into this neighborhood. So now because of all of this, you're complaining about Mm -hmm. what you can't do in your neighborhood. Well, imagine how they have felt Mm-hmm. All these years when y'all have moved in and pushed them out, they can't walk down the street because they because you grabbing your purse or you're grabbing your little poodle and you're calling the police. <laughs> and now listen, I'm not trying to say it's the same thing, but I want I want it to be said that privilege is real. And it privilege is. was real during the insurrection. Right. Because last time I checked, it was back in the summer mm-hmm. of, tw- of 2019 right. when Black Lives Matter was pre- people were pre- peacefully protesting. Peacefully. And they had tanks. They, they had, had tanks. They had the whole National Guard right. on standby. Right. You couldn't walk down the street. And let's not forget that same person that was in the White House Use tear gas yeah. and rubber bullets to push them away to go take a, a photo op 
holding the Bible upside, upside down, down in front of the church. So right. you you push people away because of the color of their skin and what they represent. You put a wall around the White House because you got scared right. that they were going to do something to you. It's sad that in this country, a dark, a black life is worth still in 2021 still. that mm-hmm. a black life is worth less. Yeah. And here it is. These people came not only they came to the Capitol. They got in the Capitol. Broke in. They got in the House chamber and the, most, the Senate chamber. Most sacred places of government, seats of government. And you sitting up there where the speaker sits. And then you actually had the nerve, gall, and audacity to think that you was going to walk your ass out the Capitol, walk, drive back to DCA, get on a plane, and go home like nothing happened. Like you were supposed to do it. Like, in what world do you think that and then that's okay? The whole issue of when the whole issue of hold the whole double standard between what happened and Black Lives Matter, I'm like, it is a double standard because you Absolutely. can't tell me that you couldn't find that same police presence right. for people peacefully protesting. I still think so. If it they're was peacefully protesting job, with a permit, out it, it, it had, had to, to be because but, but they even, did not prepare at all. Like I feel like some governors, some congressmen, some senators, somebody told told them they didn't have to prepare. They didn't have to send the National Guard or have them on standby. I think like, what it boils down to is ever since Barack Obama got elected president and when he got sworn in on January 20th, 2009, I honestly think for a second a lot of people in this world took the blinders off and we got amnesia as if we hadn't just come out of Jim Crow. Mm. 30 years ago, mm-hmm. 30 years prior to that. Because the civil rights movement wasn't that long ago. Yeah, yeah. And when you think about the fact that everybody said, oh, we elected the first black president. That yes, mean we nothing. did. Yeah, we did, However, but that don't mean nothing. <laughs> racism still, right. they were still emboldened. The only difference is they were still wearing hoods on their head. Right. Here it comes 2016. All of a sudden, the hoods turned into polos and tiki torches. Right. And because of who was in in the office, that's why they think that they were justified in. That's how he got in office, because he was saying the things that they were thinking, especially because back then we had a black president in office for the second term. And they was like, you know, dude, like we got this black man is inward in the off in in the highest office in the land. We got to get him out. And so this racist was saying all of these things, riling them up. That's why they showed up at the polls. That's why I wasn't surprised when he got elected, because that's when all of the racists, all of the Republicans, like they stood up and they came to them polls. But I mean, he didn't win the popular vote, but. No, it's just it's just sad that every time I have faith that this country has taken a step forward, something happens to remind us that we're still Got taking three steps back. Yeah, You know, and it was evident during this election cycle. Yeah. You know, here it is. What's sad, as thankful as I am that Joe Biden has become president and as thankful as I am that Kamala Harris is vice president, it's still sad that one, a woman, people still aren't ready for a woman to lead when other countries have already proven that they could do it. Yeah, And two, that a black woman or a black man is still a threat. Mm-hmm. They didn't take Kamala Harris seriously when she was running for office. Right. You know, but it's okay that she's VP. But it's mm-hmm. sad that Joe Biden, a white man, had to be the savior to defeat a racist demagogue. 
So you put a white up, you put, okay, so we're going to put this, this guy that's almost 80 up against somebody who's everybody knows is a racist, right. a demagogue, a homophobe, a, you know, everything. All of it, yeah. Everything fold. He just, mm-hmm. he just bad. Yeah. And, and so it took, okay, so this is the lesser of the two evils. We don't like him. We don't like 45. So we got to get him out. Right. So we're going to put you on top of the ticket. And so, okay, yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful that it's a diverse cabinet. I'm thankful that Biden is looking at the future, but it's still sad that people feel that it's almost like Barack Obama was a fluke. Mm. And I'm like, why is it? What what is it about this country that we have amnesia when it comes to issues that that have been negative to this country? You you have people. And going back to the Capitol, they holding up the Confederate flag. The Confederate right. flag has never flown inside of the Capitol. Right. They got the Confederate. Listen, that's why, why the Capitol was holding built. on to something. <laughs> Listen, the Confederacy lasted five years, five years, and you're still holding on to the fact that you lost because that's your heritage. That ain't your heritage. When I tell I don't you, want to be attached to being a loser. When I tell you I was triggered by that because I went to school in West Virginia and on the first day of school, after my mama dropped me off in the middle of West Virginia, what was the first thing I saw? A Confederate flag on a Ford F-150 pickup with these super duper big tires. And what did they do? Stuck their head, they stuck their head out the window and said, nigga, go home on the first day of college. So all four, <clears throat> five years of, of undergrad, it was commonplace for us to deal with racism in West Virginia and see Confederate flags and see, you know, army fatigue and veteran. Like it's sad that I correlate racism or races with veterans but i do because of what i saw in west virginia because most of the time it was the veterans they had their caps on their american flags but they also had them confederate flags so seeing all those united states marine corps flags flying out there um all those uh don't tread on me flags i'm like okay the joint chiefs of staff for the military they need to say something because and i'm happy that they did finally maybe like a week later they were saying they made an official statement which was good because that did not look well for the military (laughs) at all you know when i was when i was in the navy don't, the don't tread on me flags is actually a flag that used to fly on the ships. Right. And a, recently they banned that from being on the bases and being a part. And it took, the Marines were the last one to ban the Confederacy, com, com, to ban the Confederate flags. And it's sad that it took that long. But yeah, it, I, growing up in, in the South period, I thought I was insulated in Atlanta and I didn't have to experience racism. But it wasn't until I went to private school and I realized my private school's in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the mountains of Georgia. Mm. I'm in the mountains of Georgia. I am 15 minutes from the North Carolina state line. While I'm on campus, it's insulated. But if we decided we wanted to go out in town, we were easily reminded mm-hmm. we didn't belong. Right. Yeah. You know, people go to Atlanta and they hike Stone Mountain. Well, everybody knows Stone Mountain is 
a Confederate battleground. You know, like they're Confederate generals carved inside of a mountain. Wow. And the KKK has its headquarters there. So I'm like, yeah. it's it's amazing how people just forget. Like, right. no, this is still real. It's still yeah. here. Go to West Virginia. It's still yeah. real. <laughs> My campus was two hours away from the second largest white supremacy group in the country. And back when I was in school, they used to print this directory that had your name, your address, your home address, and your campus address. Um, and the reason why they did it because it was a small campus. So like, say for instance, I wanted to come home. I could look through the directory and say like, oh, Carl, is he's from DC or he lives in DC. Let me see if he's going home this weekend so I could reach out to you and be like, yo, are you headed home? Can I hitch a ride with you? Anyway, this white supremacy group got the directory and they started going line upon line and trying to recruit people from campus, not knowing who was black or who was white. Wow. So my name is David. Like, no shade to, you know, some of the more creative names in our African-American community. <laughs> but I'm not a Daquan or a TT or yeah. a Rayshawn or nothing like that. I'm David. <laughs> my my brother name was Paul. My sister name is Victoria. So when you see that on paper, you don't know if I'm black or white. And so they went, they called my dorm room. They called like four other black people. And so we immediately called an emergency BSU meeting. Carl, I have never seen that many black people in the BSU house in my entire life. It was black people in there. We didn't even know that they were black, let alone members of the BSU. Mm. He was like, wait a minute, let's go through the membership role. Like half of y'all don't come to not near BSU meeting, but as soon as we get something racist happening on campus, y'all want to run to the BSU house. They also threw a brick in the window of the BSU house before. So go to West Virginia. <laughs> and that was yeah, in the 2000s. I, the one time I went to West Virginia, I went to Harper's Ferry and I mm. went whitewater rafting. And I didn't feel out of place, but I was like, we can't stay here long. Right. <laughs> I just knew, like, I was like, no. Mm-mm. It was this almost like a pretty. sun downtown. But yeah, no, like, yeah. All right, when the sun go down, you better be out of here. <laughs> yeah, we got there like eight o'clock in the morning. I was like, all right. 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 It's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. How far right. is it back right. to DC? All right, okay. four o'clock. Right. We need to start rolling out. <laughs> um, Don't stop. Don't pass go. Can we get back into Maryland? We need to get close to Baltimore. Let's go to Baltimore. Um, it's February, so it is Black History Month. I mean, for us, every day is Black History Month. Black History 365. I encourage you all, there is more than enough book lists of Black authors, of Black businesses for you to go out. You should be able to support a Black business or author or uh, Black something every day this month. And then once every other, once per month for the rest of the year. Do your part in supporting these black businesses um, for Black History Month. But yeah, speaking of Black History Month, we've lost some black, a lot of black people, both because of COVID, but then some of our like giants. We just lost Cicely Tyson. Um, her last interview with Gail King was so good. And then the the cherry on top of that is when she was like, I did my best. Oh, mm. yes, you did, baby. It's take your rest. Oh, sister. 96. And I'm kicking myself. I was in Target 
the day her book came out. I saw the book on the shelf and did not pick it up. I was like, oh, she got a new book. Great. Two days later, she go home to be with the Lord. I said, I should have bought that book. Because now it's yeah. it's like on back order everywhere. Because now everybody want a copy of it. And you know, what's, what's amazing about Cicely is she talked about the roles she took and why she took them. You know, she knew that those weren't the best roles, but she took them because she felt she had a story to tell. Yeah. And she was strategic and she didn't really, this is a good example of delay does not mean denial. She didn't blow up until she was in her 40s. Mm-hmm. She was working as an actress. She did some amazing stuff before she got, before she turned 40. But she didn't blow up, blow up until she turned 40. And look at how her career has lasted so long. Um, look at how much she's did after she turned 40. Um, so delay does not mean denial. So those people that are like in, um, in broad, not in Broadway, but in the arts, um, yeah, hang in there. Keep doing, perfecting your craft um, and hang in there because your time will come, come and God will open the door. And it was literally to the point where even if she didn't have a major role, when she spoke. Yeah. It's like, I think about when she was in the Tyler Perry movies. I think about, you know, when she was on How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. It was just like her presence. Mm-hmm. Like you're, her and Maya Angelou, those were two people that you saw and you just wanted to stop and listen to. She made and, every second of her presence on film count, mm-hmm. whether she said something or not. You knew yeah. she was there. And, you know, she literally almost marched to the beat of her own drum. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that at eight, she was working as hard at 80 as she was at 40. Sure was. And it's, it's just a testament to, you know, your craft and favor. Yeah. Grace. and favor. <laughs> you know? Yes. And then when I, you know, when I researched her a few years ago, and I was like, I didn't know she was married to Miles Davis. I was like, mm-hmm. she, she was, listen, Cicely, she was in some stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it just, you know, that interview she did with Gail, like, sometimes you don't even realize that sometimes that's the moment. Right. Right. And then, you know, I just saw a clip yesterday. Tyler Perry literally was doing like a Zoom with her the day before she passed. Oh, man. And I'm just that was just, his girl. That was one of his yeah, girls. You know, for 16 years, like he from 80 up until you know her last day, mm-hmm. they were like side by side. Whatever um she needed, he did. Yeah, yeah. And she, you know, you know she was even still a trailblazer when it came to fashion, too. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her fashion choices in her old in her older years or later years, she was still a trailblazer with that, trying new things. She'll give you one old good wig. And out of the box avant garde um, outfit, and mm-hmm. I was here for it. Like her outfit that she wore during the opening of Tyler Perry Studios. Like, it's some younger women that wouldn't pull that off, right. but she did. She pulled it off. My very favorite from her will always be what she wore to Aretha's funeral. When she walked in, the room stopped. Yes. Now, mind you, everybody's there honoring Aretha Franklin. Right, the right. room stopped. Cicely came right down that center aisle, mm-hmm. and she came right to that front row. And it, was, it wasn't just the hat. It was just her presence, because she's yeah. not that tall. Well, she come no. in, she got this hat, and the room stopped. The standing ovation 
that the people gave the reverence that they gave. Yeah. That's how you should live your life. She when was, you walk into a room, the reverence that people have for you. Right. You know, us Scorpios, we have that presence when we walk in. <laughs> I'm just saying, we don't have to say much. Um, because we are podcast hosts, I have to, have to, have to give a shout out to these two black women, more black, black girl joy, black girl magic. But I have to give a shout out to Wendy Williams for the release of her movie and documentary. And I got to give a shout out to Bevy Smith. I absolutely love Bevy Smith because of her book, uh, Bevelations. Um, I've listened to I was listening to Wendy Williams when she was still on the radio mm-hmm. on WBLS. I mean, um, used the to stream it. We used yep. to stream it at work. Like all of us would have our headphones on. It would be quiet in the office. Them white people ain't know what we was listening to. All of us cracking up laughing at some of the antics on her show. Um, but then when she got a TV show, I was watching that. So watching the documentary, it was really, really good. I actually had to record it on my my DVR, my sling, so I could watch it again. And then that documentary afterwards, I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. What I, I, as I had moments when I couldn't stand Wendy for some of the stuff she was saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, she, they did call her like the female Howard Stern because she was like that shock jock. Uh But in... The movie, the movie gave the Hollywood version of what she she you know she was in control. Mm-hmm. But the the shout out to Sierra Payton, yeah. the girl that played her in the movie, she really did excellent. Good. Yes, excellent. She did her research, excellent. and she has a story to tell because she talked about how she was actually homeless, and Tyler Perry mm. cast her. That's how she got her big break because she was in the Oval. Wow. His TV show, and now she's in other projects with him. And they actually came to her to audition for mm. Wendy Williams. She didn't go to them; they came to her because they knew she would fit that role good. That's the size of a good casting director, too. Yeah. And when Wendy, you know, that documentary, I saw her in such a different light. Everybody and, did, and I yeah. and I understand now, yeah, why she did what she did back then mm-hmm. and who she is now. Mm-hmm. And it's trauma mm-hmm. and hurt. Mm-hmm. Like she went through a lot. Like her yeah. family, like they, like yeah. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it for those who have seen it. But I was sitting there like, oh yeah, my god, like it. just the stuff that some stuff she wrote about in her book. But I didn't know like the severity of yeah. all that she went through. Now and I didn't read her book. Did you read her book? I, I, know she, I saw clips of it, but and that book came out in like 2003. It did, yeah. But you know, who would have thought that mm-hmm. 18 years later, like, right, like, wow, yeah. Um, shout out to Bevy Smith, her book, Bevelation. She actually has a show on XM Radio. That's the only reason why I still have XM Radio is to cut your show at five o'clock on Monday through Thursday. Um, <laughs> on XM on Radio Andy Bevelations. Um, I absolutely love Bevy Smith. Um, Bevy Smith, uh, Jamel Hill, Wendy Williams. Those are some. Um, what's the girl on Revolt TV? Uh, Williams. Oh, I'm forgetting her name. I'm forgetting her name. But those are women that they, when I watch them, they give me pointers on, you know questions and interviewing skills and all that stuff to help become better journal journalists 
I guess, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, both of them have great story. Bevy has a great story too, um, backstory. I would like mm-hmm. to see Lifetime do uh, do a biopic on her. Because if you enjoy Wendy Williams, you will probably enjoy Bevy Smith too. Because Bevy Smith, hers come from the fashion side of things. Because you know, she was fashion editor for uh, Vibe magazine. Um, she was, you know, front row of Rolling Stone. She Rolling was, Stone. She was a major, you yeah. know, she was and she was that girl. Right. She then. was. She was. Um, and I used to, I remember her show on uh Bravo <laughs> Fashion Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even that show was a trailblazing show because they didn't have anything like that. Um and yeah, that show helped a lot of people too. Um, but I won't go into that. But anyway, that's it. That's all I got. Um, Shout out to everybody black. I'm in the words of Issa, I'm rooting for everybody black. It's Black History Month, not just, you know, February, the shortest month of the year. Right. But, you know, shout out to everybody, everybody of color who is doing something and making a positive difference in this world. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't let anybody dim your light. Don't let anybody look down upon you because of. Okay, I want to read these lyrics because they spoke to me. And this is my sermonic. Well, part of them. This is my sermonic. But the lyrics say, I look me in the mirror and search to see where is the master's image staring back at me? Where is compassion, the need for setting free? I wonder, can God see the God in me? That's just a part of it. Mm. But you can stop right there. Listen, and I, I am. I encourage you. We're going to post this song. But the song is God in Me by um, McCall Kilgore. That is my sermonic. This song, the album is amazing. This is a singing dude. Like, I even put it on upon the Twitter. I said, listen, I need him to either sing at my wedding, sing at my um at my reception, because my reception is going to be one full-fledged concert, honey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be one old music event. I was like, I need him there because he sings down. Every song on his album is amazing. But this song, it's the last song of the album. Um, I was introduced to this album driving to Deep Creek in December. And I listened to it while I was driving. I was like, okay, this is cute. Uh Uh-huh, whatever. But I was at the gym actually. I was like, let me give this another try. And I listened to this thing and I was like, oh, this is so good. So good. So that's my sermonic, God in me. We'll post it on the website so you can enjoy it just like I did. And I'm a, uh, my honorable mention, my B selection is in tribute to Duranis Pace. Yes. Cicely Tyson. Um, Cicely Tyson, she loved hymns. Um, I'm not going to sing the hymn. Um, uh, I want to say one of her favorite hymns was uh, Amazing it was Amazing Grace or um, Pass Me Not. Mm. Um, but the song that I'm going to pick is Duranis Pace, I'll Always Be Thankful. Mm-hmm. Because if you listen to the words, it's a simple song, it's a catchy song, mm-hmm. but it's the, what she says. She'll say, I'll always be thankful. Always. I'll always be grateful. And then she gets to the part where she said, here we are again, sitting at the dinner table. She said, it's nothing like family. We're just coming together. I'll always be. And at the end of the day, she was always thankful. 
Cicely was always thankful. Humility goes a long way. Yeah. No matter what you do, just be thankful. Stay humble. And it'll take you places that, you know, humility will take you places that skill, degrees Mm -hmm. will. (laughs) I promise you. Humility, I've, I've always said humility unlocks favor. Um, stay tuned, guys. We're going to bring in our guest, Larisha Warner, um, to talk about healing and wholeness um, in her book about her journey for healing and wholeness. Um, so stay tuned. Well, say amen, somebody. Guess who's excited about our first guest of 2021? I am. I don't know about you, but I am excited about our guests for this conversation that we're having. Um, Again, I want our listeners to heal, to grow, to be the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be in 2021 and beyond. So that's why I strategically wanted uh, this young lady to come on um, the show to be our first guest so that we can uh, help align ourselves um, to move forward in this year, being free, being healed and being whole. Come on, somebody. So help me welcome Larisha Y. Warner. She's a native of PG County, the suburbs. Um, And, you know, she gave her life to the Lord in 2012, October 2012. And she's been running for Jesus ever since, and I'm not mad about it. I absolutely love her spirit. Um, You know, this podcast is a little bit biased to HOHDMV. Shout out to my pastor, uh, co-pastor, pastor pastor and co-pastor. But Larisha is a member of HOHDMV, and I gladly serve with her on the media and marketing tribe. Um, She actually leads the tribe. Come on, she's a, a bona fide leader. Um, (laughs) so please help me welcome Larisha to say amen. How are you, my dear? How are you, David? I'm so excited to be on the Say Amen podcast. This is exciting for me. My first uh, opportunity for the year. So I'm excited. Yes. And um, by the way, Larisha, she has a podcast too. We'll get into that as well. She has a a full-fledged ministry. So uh, Divinely Destined Ministries, LLC. So she is official with it. Okay. Um, she's also an author. She's so meek and mild. Like I read the, her bio, but she doesn't have everything that she, you know, her full discography and everything in the bio, but she has a book. Um, and I got the book. I feel like I got the book before I even joined HOHDMV um, by one of the elders of the church. And they gave me a copy of the book and I read it immediately. It was like, okay, so I got my own copy of the book. You know what? I'm going to bring it to church so you can sign it. How about that? That's fine. I'll sign it. <laughs> um, but she is the author of the book entitled The Journey to Freedom, Healing and Wholeness. Um, it's an absolute awesome book. It's one of those books where I had to get my highlighter and start like highlighting some of the poems. And I love it because she tells stories in the book from her personal life, but then she also has poetry in the book. Um, of course, she's going to give you good scripture too. Um, so I don't want to spoil it. I'm just excited to have you on. Um, so just start by sharing a part, sharing your journey with us and what brought you to 
coming to a point to write this book because it's a really vulnerable book and i know all of us have stories and testimonies um and that's one thing that i really 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 larisha have been struggling with because I have a personal testimony too that I know will help others um, and it can be turned into a book, but I don't know if I'm ready to be that open and vulnerable yet to share it. So just share part of your journey or all of your journey and how you got to the point of writing the book. Well, again, thank you so much, David and uh, Carl for inviting me. Can I be real and honest and transparent on this episode? I feel like the Girl, Lord- please Okay, go. great. You're giving me the liberty. As the Lord leads me, I promise this is, I think this will be a really good episode for the people who are part of your audience. So a little bit about me and how did I get to this point in 2021? So it started really back when I was five years old and within my family and in my household and things of that nature, we had the family where we're close knit, everything, you know, everyone's going together. They're having good times. They're, they're going to the family reunions and so forth. But me at five years old, I had experienced a traumatic event where I was molested. And from that moment, I really felt like for a long time, I was stuck in my five-year-old state. And being a person who had been molested at such a young age, I went through life literally keeping that secret guarded and safe uh, as a safe place for me for about 20 plus years. And it wasn't until, oh, yeah, it was a real thing. I, I mean, I thought that if I said something, I was going to tear my family apart. So I held on to the secret. I really thought family members knew what happened to me, but they wanted to keep things under the rug. But that wasn't the case. Um, but as time went on, I held on to that secret and I just went through life. People thought that I had it all together. I pretty much had it all together. But on the inside, I was broken. I was walking in shame. I really thought that it was my fault. I talk about in the book how there were moments where because of the traumatic uh, awakening and the opening of that whole experiences, it was almost as if I wanted it for attention. So I engaged in the acts because I felt like it's okay. Even though I was five years old, in my mind, I thought that it was okay that this was happening. It wasn't until I was about eight or nine years old. And I was like, you know what? Something happened to me when I was younger that I don't think should have happened to me. But again, I still held on to the secret. And as I grown older, um, I began to start dating. You know, the, you're in your 20s. You're, you're trying to live your best life. And I knew that even in the midst absolutely, of the absolutely. Like first, I guess, committed relationship, so to speak, there was still some trauma wounds there. And I was trying to figure out why was I doing some of the things that I did within the relationship, but I had to go back to the beginning. And I remember when I decided that I really wanted to give my life over to the Lord back in 2012, that that was one of my top things that I wanted to deal with was the trauma. I really wanted to heal from it because I didn't want to go through my entire life walking around with that on me. So that was the first thing that I want, got before the Lord and said, hey, this is something that I want to do. I want to heal from it, but I know that it's going to be very, very uncomfortable. One, because That's now right. I'm exposing myself, but two, yeah. I didn't want to bring any shame or frustration or pain, even more pain to my family. But the Lord had really did something amazing even in that. Everything that I thought that I wanted to do, or the reason that I didn't share, it was the complete opposite when I then began to share. So what do I mean by that? Once I really gave my life over to the Lord, he led me to writing my very first poem, The Power to Forgiveness. And it was in that poem where I was really contemplating about, 
you know, can I forgive? And when I mean, can I forgive? Can I forgive the person who molested me? And then also, can I forgive myself for the pain of me thinking that it was my fault and that I deserve this and so forth? Um, so that really kind of set open that whole pathway to me really going down my healing journey. I admit I had to go through the counseling. I had to deal and uproot those those dreams that I suppressed for so many years. Like when I went through the beginning stages, there were dreams that I didn't even know that I was going to have, but it allowed me to really remember like, you, you didn't make this up in your head. This really did happen to you. And it was an uncomfortable time because at the time I was in a relationship and I was again, trying to navigate all of these emotions, but yet at the same time, I'm still broken. And it wasn't until I said, you know what, God, I cannot keep doing this anymore like this. Please help me. And I remember um, having that tough conversation with the person and confronting them of who molested me. And I thought that I was going to tell them my truth. I wasn't expecting an apology, but it was something completely different. I, I told them, you know, I remember what you did to me. I remember that you molested me and they walked away from me. And I was like, well, I'm still here, Lord. I feel relieved. A weight has been lifted off of my shoulder. But they came back a few moments and they apologized to me. And I had no idea that that was going to happen. But for me, that showed me that, you know, God truly was in the midst of this entire experience because I thought they were going to deny it. I thought that it was going to be, you know, this is all your fault. You made this up. But God really did something miraculous even in that moment. They showed me how to forgive them immediately in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because before that, I had no intentions of, of, of forgiving them. But it was in that moment God had showed me the same forgiveness that you want me to extend to you each and every single time that you mess up. That part. That's the that same part, type of forgiveness, yeah. although it's going to be uncomfortable, that I want you to be able to extend to this person as well. Yeah. So from that moment on, I have been able to forgive them. This person is still a part of my life. And there's no animosity, no bitterness, no hatred in my heart for them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So my story is very unique. It is because I know a lot of people are like yeah. you forgave them. You can still communicate <laughs> with them. Absolutely. But it really showed me really the just the hand of the Lord just was being a part of my life and this entire experience. But it also showed me that even when I wrote this book, I knew I had to be candid. I had to talk mm. about the dreams. I had to talk about the acts that I had to do because I had to uproot it quickly so that it wouldn't allow me to save in a place of being silent or in a place of being in bondage because the enemy didn't want me to share. Mm -hmm. It did. They didn't. No. Nope. Yeah. I had to, wow. Yeah. It was some serious stuff. I had to talk to family members. And what was so powerful about this whole experience is the more I shared, the more I felt like my family was liberated. And here's why I say mm. that. Because as I sat back and thought about it and began to share more, they said, Marisha, this happened to me too. Mm. You put a voice to my situation. You showed mm -hmm. me that I can get out of this situation. And for me, I had no idea that it's, it was happening to people who I grew up around my entire life. Man, them family secrets, yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's serious. And you and, and and speaking of giving voice mm -hmm. to a situation, in your book, you deal with the with molestation, which happens more than we like to admit. Right. And it even happens within the church. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the saints mm -hmm. in order to help them deal with it and not being ashamed of admitting that it happened to them in their younger years, middle years, and even older mm -hmm. years. 
No, I thank you for so much for asking. I have a couple of things, actually. I think one of the first things that we have to be able to do is create a safe space for people to openly share what they've gone through or are going through in their lives. Um, also, I think it's so important that even when you've been made aware of an incident that has happened, you know, even as adults, we have a duty to respond. If a child comes to us and they say, hey, this is something that happened to me, we have a duty to respond and believe the child that it really did happen. So I think for me, um, as an individual who has experienced this issue or this concern, you know, it's one thing to actually go through that trauma. That is a painful experience. But it's also as if you're being re-traumatized if you go to someone and they tell you, I don't believe you. So that's so crucial that we have to be able to create these places or safe spaces for people to speak up regardless of whatever age you are. And then also what's most important is hold the abuser accountable. You've got to hold them accountable regardless of whatever role of capacity that they may even have in the church. Um, and then you have to inform your church body. And here's why you have to do that. You know, we know that trauma is done in secret, right? But we have a responsibility as believers, as people to uproot it and then also acknowledge it publicly because we have to break these cycles. And you, you, you mentioned, um, trauma and secrets and cycles i guess just kind of a a, a part a mm -hmm. to to that question would be we, we know the entity of the church can come in many facets mm -hmm. and depending on the size of the church determines access to information mm -hmm. typically you know in some of your smaller churches everybody know everybody right. so if something happens it you know it's that old saying what happens in the house stays mm -hmm. in the house Sometimes in your larger churches, things happen and there's a machine that's behind mm -hmm. the keeping of secrets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw a lot of things that came out. For instance, I'll use New Birth Missionary right. Baptist Church mm -hmm. when at the time pastor, the late um, Bishop Eddie Long was pastor. And it wasn't until those secrets came out that people understood just how the church was aware, mm -hmm. but they found ways to cover and control. Right. How, what would you say to someone who is on that cusp of saying something, but they are but they are so afraid mm -hmm. of the repercussions, i.e., my whole family's in this church, or you know, I may lose my job if I say this, mm -hmm. or what and and there's even some people who know that there's it may not be happening physically to them, but they know it's happening. Mm -hmm. But because of the power and the money and the situation and circumstances, they refuse to say something. What would you kind of say to them? I'm glad you asked that question. I would definitely, um, I would encourage them to enough to remember that at the end of the day, we have to learn how to put ourselves first. And the reason why I say that we have to put ourselves first is when you're carrying around those secrets, those secrets lead to other things, other uh, pathways to you picking up um, other vices that will continue mm -hmm. to allow you to suppress whatever pain you had. So even for me as an example, that one secret led me down a path of, of, of I'm sorry, fornication, um, drugs, alcohol, um, all of the things, pornography, masturbation, it just led on to more sin, more sin. But we owe it to mm -hmm. ourselves to just really be able to speak up and say, at the end of the day, I know this may hurt this person, but I have to remember at the end of the day that my heart matters, that my life matters, and that God does not want me to be safe, be kept in a place of just of just uncontentment and, and unfamiliar. I'm sorry. 
But just getting back to a place of just making sure that we're putting ourselves first. Yeah. And don't be scared either. I mean, I know you asked Larissa the question, but I'll jump in and say, and don't be scared about it too. I continue to drive this scripture home. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He will watch over us and protect us. Mm -hmm. Even when if our voice shake, we still have to do it. Like, look at, I'm pretty sure little David, when they put him out there in front of Goliath, his little knees were shaking a little bit. But right. he still did what he had to do. Right. <laughs> um, so don't be scared either. I mean, there'll be some hesitation there, but you still got to do it. Shake, shaky voice and all, you still got to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, what? Now this is a question. This isn't a question that I told you to prepare for, but I'm gonna throw it out there okay. anyway. If you could talk to your, because this is like one of those therapy questions. <laughs> if you could talk to your five year old self. And I'll flip that to like another girl that's five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you tell her? I'm glad you asked. I actually wrote a letter to my younger self quite a few years wow. ago when I was my five-year-old self. Mm. And I believe mm. I remember telling myself that it's okay. You've been released. I can take control again. And the reason mm. why I say that is because I literally allowed my five-year-old self to run my life, even in my mm-hmm. 20s even in my thirties at some point. But the moment I said, you've been released, it's okay, I got us now. It allowed me to put myself back in a position to say, you know what? I do not have to allow the trauma to to impact my present because it's ultimately going to destroy my future if I don't get the healing that I need today. Um, So I really would encourage that five-year-old um, my five-year-old self to know, you know what? I know this, this, what happened to you was so difficult, so traumatic, but it's okay now. We're safe. We're good. We're stronger. We're wiser. We're better now because we spoke Listen. up. I, my, my letter to my five-year-old self was pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told a story, I think it was on Facebook maybe a while back. I was in Giant standing in line and this mom, she just berated her son so bad. And you could just see his little poor ego just diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. And so she had walked away for a second and I just leaned over to him. I said, it gets better. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. You you you'll come through this because you could tell that he. Well, that's a whole different scenario. But anyway, <laughs> where are we? <laughs> I was sort of going one old tangent. Oh, um, no, it's okay. It's a, no, because I think what you were saying is necessary. So I say finish it. Yeah, because he he you could tell that he was different, and his mom didn't like that he was different. And she, oh, it was just so disrespectful and so loud. Like the whole grocery store heard her. And he he was just, oh, it breaks, still breaks my heart. Cause I could see myself in him. And I could see that he needed some encouragement in that moment. Um, so that's why, you know, I just throw this plug out there. Mentorship, listen, is important to our community and not just your nieces, nephews, and cousins. <laughs> and, you know, an- another thing I realized, too, sometimes different doesn't mean just that different. Different could just mean it's something that's unfamiliar to someone else. And I think if we start peeling back the layers of that word different you know someone may walk a certain way and talk a certain way 
but that doesn't make them less than where someone else is. Like I may not, I may not be as strong as the next person, or so I may look different per se in the gym. You know, I may not have a six pack, but does that make me less than you? Because this is where you are. I may not be able to run as fast as the next person, but that doesn't make me less than you or slower than you. I may actually run the same speed as you. It just, you may look a certain way. So you're automatically grouped or you're labeled, but we also have to think about how trauma and how secrets and how circumstances affect those differences and not judge people for being different and get to the root of what makes them who they are. You just mentioned trauma. So I want to go to our next question. Um, I want this episode, the purpose of this episode is for to help listeners move into 2021, being healed, being whole, um, being free. So without spoiling the entire book, <laughs> um, do you have like three tips that help you or could help somebody else um, heal from their trauma so that they can move into their destiny? Absolutely. Actually, I do. Thank you for that question. I think one of the most crucial um, points or one of the things that really set people up or has set me up is really remember that I had to surrender myself back to God. And what does that mean? For so long, I was literally living in the world. I had one foot in in the church and one foot out. And the moment that I really decided to um, surrender myself back to God, that's when the doorway opened up. That's when the I began to really understand not only who I am, but who I belong to. And then I got excited about pursuing the purpose that God had for my life. So that was the first thing. The second thing was I had to complete the healing work. Now, what does that look like? I had to had those uncomfortable conversations. I had to deal with the shame, the guilt that I had, even the bitterness because I was angry at everybody because I thought everybody knew, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. yeah. I even had to heal myself from toxic relationships because although it started with one that being toxic, there were three other ones that came right after that that I had to heal from, that I had to break soul ties from and so forth because I didn't want to go into the future carrying around the baggage of Jamal or or the baggage of Eric or things like that to the next person mm -hmm. that God has for me. So I had to really heal from those situations. And then the last thing I had to really discard my previous perceptions of my life and be able to view it from the way that God wants me to view it. Because the way that Larisha, the broken Larisha, thought that everybody was out to get her, that she wasn't worthy of love, that no one would ever love her. But then God had to remind me, no, that's the that's the trick of the enemy. You will be mm -hmm. able to receive love. You will be able to extend it as well, um, because that was something that I struggled with as well. And he just opened my eyes to a new possibility. Mm, good affirmations mm -hmm. uh, get positive affirmations to yourself i'm a words of affirmation mm -hmm. person so like looking in the mirror telling myself david you are worthy mm -hmm. you are worth it um you are a king all of that stuff you have to impart that i want to go back to your first tip okay um you said surrender to god mm -hmm. i was listening to I, I love podcasts i listen to a whole bunch of podcasts and i was listening to a podcast and the preacher lady said you know how preachers in church always say, my mind belongs to God. Mm -hmm. My body belongs to God. Um, my, no, my mind belongs to God. My heart belongs to God. Mm -hmm. My knees belong to God. So I can bow before you. My feet can belong to God. So mm -hmm. I can run for you. But the preacher lady said, it's funny how they always say all this stuff belongs to God, except for everything between your navel 
mm-hmm. and your knees. And I was okay. like, wow. But you know, the thing about it is the church, they really don't talk too much. They don't get as deep as they should, I feel. Mm-hmm. When it comes to talking about sexuality, mm-hmm. sexual stuff, right. they just say, get married and do what you do, be be, be fruitful and multiply. Right. No, baby, we gotta get a little bit more deep Absolutely. and we have to have a little bit more conversations Absolutely. about it. Um, because you have to, so, and when you really wanna surrender to God, that's a part of your body that you have to surrender to, <laughs> surrender to him. <laughs> so, because if not, you'll misuse that as well. Absolutely. So yeah, let, we will talk about that in another episode about, I really want to do a deep dive into that and read it, read it into it a little bit more. Um, so I know what I'm talking about, but it was like an aha moment because I'm like, I grew up in church mm-hmm. and I can tell you the amount of times I've ever heard about sex in church wow. beyond get married, be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. That was it. So surrendering to God, you have to surrender everything, that too. Yep, I have a whole chapter about that, the vow, where I talked about literally surrendering myself back to God and what that looks like. See? (laughs) And I was just, and I was, and I actually was going to ask you in the context of surrendering, Mm -hmm. what would you say the hardest part, just just the physical Mm -hmm. side of surrendering, Mm -hmm. because before you can spiritually do it, you have to make a conscious decision. Right. I like it's almost like I want to eat right. So you know, if you want to eat right, you got to put certain stuff down. You know, they always say turn your plate down. We get that, but that's a hard part, especially when you like certain things. Throw them snacks devices. away, drink water. But I think <laughs> when you talk about surrendering, this is just my perspective, and you can give your perspective, maybe in relation to the book. I think when churches talk about surrendering it's very surface you know let's give you what the bible says but there's a part of surrendering that that you have to go deep within because it because we beat people upside the head for anything that is contrary to what we feel Mm -hmm. but we don't talk about what caused them to get to that point we we you know we say protect the body is the temple of the lord's you should not defile the body we talk about all of that mm-hmm. but let's talk about pregnancy right. so we teach the women don't get pregnant right. unless you're married but what happens after the baby comes you have shamed the woman for getting pregnant mm-hmm. but you have not restored her back to the point where after the pregnancy that's when the surrendering comes because in the back of her mind depending on how the pre- sometimes the pregnancy could have come from rape right. it could have come from molestation right. it could have come from anything so you're beating someone up because of what is surface but we're not dealing with the root issue there so when you say surrender what was the hardest part for you from the physical and the spiritual side for me it was really looking in the mirror and examining myself and realizing that some of these things didn't happen to me um because of the previous situation when i was younger it was because i literally allowed the open way of the entryway for it for lust and perversion and really being able to act upon that so i talk about overcoming lust i talk about even the perversion spirit how even though it happened to me at five if i wasn't careful it could have been trickled on to someone else um in my family because i was taught that this is what you should do so i thought it was okay 
So being able to deal with those tough, those tough conversations for me, I had to uproot it. Dealing with the pornography and the masturbation. I can't say that I surrender myself, but I don't deal with that secret sin that I hadn't shared with anyone. So I had to talk about what that was like for me, that conversation I had with the Lord and wanting to say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. But the next night I do it again. So I talk about how I went through that transformation process as well. And for me, building accountability and community truly helps me to this day. I have a, a, a network of women who I'm accountable to and who are accountable to me. And we encourage each other because this journey is not always going to be easy. No, Lord. Yep. <laughs> Um, so we have yet another author on the Say Amen podcast. It's mm-hmm. like almost every episode <laughs> we have an author. Uh-huh. But Carl and I ain't got booked the first. That is hilarious. <laughs> That's all right, Carl. We we gonna do it. But sometimes what the Lord doesn't allow you to write, he gives you the ability to speak. Absolutely. Yes, I that, absolutely. I and be a vehicle. So I'm like, Lord, just use me as a vehicle for all these amazing writers. Um, what other books are you reading? Well, actually, I'm actually also, I want to actually shout out my co-host's book, um, Erica N. Williams. She has a book called Don't Give Up, and it's a seven-day devotional for women. And I'm just so proud of her for writing this book because I've actually had to sit through and, and go through the seven days because there are moments where I felt like giving up. I thought that God had forgotten about me. I thought that maybe I stepped out too soon and went against the will that he had for my life. And this book really settled my spirit. It really got me back into a place and a posture of where I remember that regardless of what life, what happens in life, I can't give up. I can't allow now that's the a co-host tr- to your podcast, yes. right? Yes, the co-host. Shout out your podcast. Yes, the journey to freedom. I mean, the journey heart to heart podcast. That's our podcast, and um, I'm excited about it. And she did an amazing job with this devotional book. So that's what I've been now, reading. How many seasons? How many seasons are you on now? 15? No, we're actually in season three of Journey Heart oh, to Heart. Oh, okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. We thank the Lord for it. She asked me to to do that with her. You know, the Lord really opened that doorway because I had no mm. idea about podcasting. But, you know, she came to me and she said, let's do this. And it's been an amazing journey of just really I think, sharing our hearts. I think you are the first other podcaster that we've had on the show. Okay besides ourselves okay yeah i'm looking at the guest list from season one mm-hmm. and you were the only person that the first podcaster that's been a guest well welcome well thank you <laughs> it's been an amazing journey i mean this is a, an awesome outlet just to have to share your that's heart it. and just to connect with other people i remember that first yeah. episode i was Ooh. a hot mess i was like did we Weren't really we sign this? <laughs> did we really do this but it's been fun it's we been an are. amazing journey yeah, uh, it, my I remember my first episode. Carl was with me that day, but oh lord! <laughs> each each as they say, each round goes high and yeah, high. That's it. It gets easy. That's my churchy moment. Each round goes high and high. <laughs> so if you had, you know, you've already gave great foundational nuggets that people can just kind of lean on. But if someone was to have you stand in front of them with access to a smart board that had Facebook, IG, and Twitter, in 30 seconds, what would you say? All right. What I would tell them is that regardless of your current struggles or even the pain of your past, you know, God has the ability to shift 
your pain into your purpose. That's one of the most important things I want to leave with people. And I think that's kind of been the testament of my life because I've been through some struggles and then I've also been through some pain. And God has really done an amazing work of really helping me to remove, to move from where I literally was to where I'm desiring to be. There you go. 30 seconds. You did that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the part where we kind of do like a, I won't say a love-hate, but it's almost like the good cop back part. And so... Good usher, the bad usher. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to do the good good cop today. I'm not going to be the bad. Okay. And basically, it's just going to be two questions. Mm -hmm. And you kind of can kind of tell where we're about to go but basically the first question says what do you love about the church and and or the culture of church okay well i'm glad you asked it i think for me i've always loved just the the coming together of believers you know with this whole pandemic that really just messed up a lot of our plans and doing that yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so for me i i'm gonna be honest i used to really take it for granted I used to come to church sometimes when I felt like it. I felt like it was always going to be open. It's always going to be accessible. Mm. But this pandemic has really shown me like, no, you have to look at this thing in a different manner. You have to look at it through a different lens. So we've Mm -hmm. gone from being able to hug people to now that we have to wave at them. We've gone from being able to sit next to them to now that we have to be sitting six feet apart or even not even sitting in there at all. And I think for me, I'm glad that we have been able to embrace technology more to stay connected. And I think that's one of the things that I love even now in the midst of this pandemic, we've been creative about connecting with each other. So I play devil's advocate. Okay. What frustrates you about okay. the church? Now you kind of tiptoe into my, my response a little earlier, and I'm going to be honest <laughs> with y'all. I desire more real candid conversations. I really do. Mm, I remember when I started out, I always felt like I was the only one speaking about stuff and it made me uncomfortable Mm. because Mm -hmm. I have saints who are 40, 50, 60 just looking at me. telling As I'm sitting here pouring out my heart saying, this is what I've struggled with. And I was like, do you receive it? Do you understand it? Are you going through it? It was like those type of emotions that I was having and it really stopped me for a long time of really wanting to share because I felt like that was the only one share. So, so having really, more candid conversations. Yes. I love that. Let's Especially when it comes to like, when it comes to sex, yes. <laughs> dating, right. marriage, and, you know, drinking, wanna, marijuana. All of it. I mean, it's so many topics that the church need to have like explicit conversations about. But I will say the other side of that is we need to have explicit conversations, but also have well thought out educated research conversations and what i mean by that is i'm really big i'm starting to really transition especially this year into about the translating of scripture 
making mm. sure we are careful of how we translate scripture and knowing the background behind the King James version of the Bible mm -hmm. and the new revised standard version of the Bible, mm -hmm. the NIV. What's the history behind these translations? What was going on in the world when these translations came out? Who wrote them? Right. And what political interests that did they have? Because if you grease in my palms, I might take this section out of the Bible. Right. You know what I mean? Well, well you so, you're tapping into something because that forces those who are teaching and preaching to study. Mm -hmm. Right. Agree. And that's when I go back to the whole surface. Right. Church has become very surface. Right. It is. And, and you know, those of us who come out who've come up in the old school way, you know, holiness of hell, fire, brimstone, you can't wear that's pants, me. you can't yeah. can't listen to music, everything you was going to hell for. That's me. If that's the case, all of us should have been gone a long time ago. But you know, the thing but, about it, hindsight, looking back on it, because I grew up in a Pentecostal church like that, that even that thinking was so surface level that they couldn't give you scriptural reference mm -hmm. sometimes. They couldn't go deeper into scriptures to really explain to you why we can't do this. Right. Um, but they be quick to throw out that scripture uh, study to show thyself approved. But are you really studying? Because I know for my church, it was almost frowned upon if you had an MDiv or if you was Reverend Doctor. They look at you like you were side eyed. But I'm like, but you need to have that book knowledge as well as Bible knowledge. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll talk and about you that know, later. One of the things that I have found over these past few years was I, I like to say my focus is prevention from the pulpit and i've really focused on that's a health tweet tweet health health education from a biblical and a practical perspective now when i was just a lay member i was saying these things i was trying to get the church to have these conversations it it, it took me putting on a collar for them to understand Oh, we want to listen to you. And then they started listening even more when they go, oh, now he's seminary. Oh, wait a minute. I'm on the same playing field as you. But I've been saying the same thing for years. And prevention from the pulpit is not just sex. It's how do we prevent certain things? How do we bridge the gap from the pew to the pulpit? It can't just be the preacher saying something, but the congregation is not on board. Or how is it the congregation is saying something, but it stops before it even gets to the pulpit? It stops at the Now, granted, everything should always go to the altar, but we can't talk about not having sex, but we don't talk about what happens with sex. Let's talk about STDs, STIs. Let's talk about trauma. Because if, if, if we are honest, if you read the Bible, there was a lot of sexual trauma. And that's very, that's glossed over. You know, you can't sit there and say, oh, you're supposed to be like this, but then you turn around and say, oh, but it was okay that David can kill someone and, you know, go after his wife and they can do all of it. Like, we could teach that, right. but then we don't, well, what happened when the deacon went after mm. the choir member or went after the secretary and stuff like that? That's trauma. That's, that, you know, th that happens. And some of so, these conversations will help lead to healing exactly. our church and healing the members and it will of make, our church. And it will, I, I, I said this before, what do we have to do to make it easy for people to be honest in church? 
We want people, we say come as you are, but then when they come, we give them conditions on how they're supposed to show up. Mm -hmm. If you say come as I am, that means I'm literally coming broken, barren, angry, frustrated, hurt. You you say come. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming to you raw, Mm -hmm. naked, completely. And then you say, oh, now that you're here, what mm, you can't talk about this, so let's put this over here. You can only talk about what we want you to talk about because that's popular. Mm. Not what's taboo. Not what's going to actually holistically help and heal. I think we'll get there eventually. (laughs) I'm thinking that, you know, some ministries are starting to get it because they're losing members they're losing the millennials they're losing the younger members and they looking around and it's just i mean no shade to the older seasoned saints but you know where's the future of the church and that's where my heart goes out to some some of these smaller ministries and smaller churches like where's your future yeah if i show you who's in the pews if i see who's in the pews i'll see your future um Mm -hmm. And it's not looking good for some ministries. Anyway, back to our wonderful guest, Larisha. Girl, what other projects are you working on? Yes. Yeah, so for that- for me, I'm excited about another thing that I've kind of brought to the ministry, Divinely Destined Ministries, is uh, the opportunity to coach people. So for me, I always get questions, Larisha, how have you been able to write a book? How have you been able to start a ministry? How have you been able to do all these things that you're doing? And I want to get to a place where I can, well, not get to a place, I'm in a place where I'm ready to coach people along through that process. So I have what I call now is the Empowerment Academy. And we have two arms. We have the career coaching, because that's me using some of my secular nine to five work in EEO. And then I also have the life coaching. And that's for me just life experiences and also the spiritual component of my just walk with God. So I'm excited about that and um, just really bringing that out this year. I'm excited about that. Nice. That's good. That's going to be my baby for the next however long. And and what would you say the name of it was? It's called the Empowerment Academy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where transformation begins. And that's where we're here to help people to move from where they are to where they desire to be. Carl, ain't she amazing? You know, I, I, I'll i say this, but the guests that we've had on, and you know, I, I, I know you're biased to House of Healing, <laughs> DMV, but what I will say is it's a testament to fertile ground, because if all of this is coming out of one house, can you imagine if each person planted a seed here and planted a seed there see this Carl, this get ready this we already have a directive our directive is to check our inventory because there's still more in mm-hmm. us that god can use so get ready and the so people- i just i am i am humbled that i have a front row seat to see the seeds blossoming and because you know it says a tree is only as good as the fruit it bears so if if all of you all are coming out of one house, mm-hmm. imagine what can happen when this house becomes this house becomes this house, mm-hmm. and now you have all these houses. So now everybody's growing. So it's it's it. I just wanted to say that as a, um, a point of privilege, I am excited uh, because as your as the oil flows, everything connected to it. So I'm excited for you all. I'm excited 
for you, David. I'm excited for you, Larisha. Like, I just, I, I can't wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. to the House of Healing yes. DMV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm excited too, because, you know, we uh we've been in a, been in a time of consecration mm-hmm. and uh the first empowerment call we had uh Mark Moore Elder Mark Moore Jr and he was just really confirming a message that we heard from our own pastor about there's still more in mm-hmm. you and i mean i've still been feasting off of that because you know, we always say that scripture, well done. I want to get to the pearly gates and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to say, well done. You've used everything I put in you, not just well done. You use this right. one thing. I want you to use everything. So I had to go back and the, the director was to check your inventory. So all of us, we checking our inventory because there's still more in us. There's still more gifts in us. Um, still ideas that and I'll put that to you Carl because there's still more in you that you need to be checking your inventory too Um, and you and as you said that you just gave me a sermon topic don't make me sick I'll pass on you because he'll get you I know you know I just I just thought about it you know it, 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 it takes me to you ever go to a store and if you go to the shelf it's it's out but some sometimes you'll see that salesperson. You'd be like, "Can you check in the back mm-hmm. and see if there's something left?" Like as you were talking, I thought about that. Sometimes we gotta go ask somebody else to go check in the back and see if what we're really searching for. And sometimes that back is us. Like right. we gotta go back. Yeah. Like yeah. if he puts it in you, it's gonna come out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Bishop every- Carolyn Showell said something one day. She said, "A gift is not a gift until it's shared with someone else." Mm. Mm-hmm. So how 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 many times are we sitting on something that's supposed to be shared with someone else? You talk we talked about the authors. They've been given the gift of pen to paper. We've been given the gift of a podcast. But when you put the two together, imagine what can happen. Yeah. Yeah, and there's still more. Uh, that was part of me digging into the inventory to look at, you know, where should where is God leading this podcast? Um, what's next for it? Um, and so there's big, greater things for this podcast, as well as my other businesses and ventures. And I won't say ministries, but all of this is ministry in some type of a way. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> enough about us again. Thank you so much, Larissa. <laughs> no problem. Thank you um, for having me. For sharing um, your wisdom and your experience. I, you know, it's so, so, so true what they say. Like everything we go through mm-hmm. um, helps. It, it prepares us to help others. Absolutely. Um, so I just, it may not have felt good going through it at the time, mm-hmm. but it has certainly prepared you to help others. And I'm excited to see where the Empowerment Account- Academy is going. Um, Amen Corner, please, please, please. You know where to go. www.sayamanpod.com. The link to the book will be on the website so that you can purchase this amazing book, The Journey of Freedom, Healing, and Wholeness by Larisha Y. Warner. And before we go, Mm -hmm. do you have any, um, shout out any links or access to resources if someone needs to get in contact with you while listening to this? Absolutely. You can actually head over to my website, www.divinelydestined.net. 
that's my website that's where i have everything also you can follow me on facebook and instagram at um larisha underscore warner or my ministry page divinely dot destined dot ministries let's say that one more time sure so you can uh, check me out or, or stay connected with me by following me on my website at divinely destined dot net or you can stay connected with me via social media on facebook or instagram at larisha underscore warner or uh divinely dot destined dot ministries and there you have it thank you thank you so much thank you stay tuned amen corner we'll be back thank you again larisha that was amazing um i pray that somebody got something out of that interview oh, that was amazing it was so good and i love the rawness that she has um she has a sweet spirit like of course shout out the house of healing dmv um that's my <laughs> sister in christ <laughs> but um she's still so humble but she's still so raw and open and honest with um her journey and and i think we need more people like that to help more people like that so for our altar call um i think I still want to go back to this insurrection for this altar call for all these people who thought that you could like literally sit in Nancy Pelosi's desk with your legs up, write a threatening note to her on her desk and think you just going to get in your car and go back home and like, and it's okay because you think you own this country. Um, so yeah, we're going to put all of those foolish, foolish people on the altar. And I'm so happy that the CIA, DEA, the FBI, all of them are on them like white on rice. We might not hear about all of the cases, but yeah, they, they getting them slowly but surely. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the people that saw your cousins, your uncles, your boyfriends, your husbands on TV, breaking into the Capitol, and you decided I'm going to call the FBI and tip them off. Um, I saw an alert about that on CNN Today about uh, how people, a lot of Americans have been calling into that tip line with because of people that they've seen, co-workers that they've seen. Um, so yeah, keep calling that tip line because we need to show show them that you cannot get away with this. Absolutely not. Like uh-uh, Your privilege you you just can't. I'm sorry. And can't. let me and let me and and you people of color who participated, they and, and, you, th- them. and you saw <laughs> that you were gonna get the same treatment as right. them, uh-uh. and you still locked up and they right. home right on they, house arrest or they or they were able to get bailed right and bonded out. Uh huh. Remember, you are not like them. And the system I don't care how much y'all for you. agree right. on certain things. At the end of the day, they are one color. Yep. You are a different color. And the justice are, system was not built for us. It's not. <laughs> Listen, so. they may go after them. They may get federal charges. But the fact that you still ain't home yet. Hello. Like, you might want to think about that. Why are you trying to have a moment? Mm-hmm. Shout out to okay. Mama Cherry. She told me a long time ago when I was knee high to a crib, she said, baby, you too cute to go to jail. So do right. <laughs> and it has stuck with me. But in saying that, you know, old becoming older and, you know, talking through it again, you know, she explained, you know, the justice system is just not created for us. So, you know, when we get into the system, it's hard getting out. And, you know, they're not going to treat you like, you know, um, Bob and Bill and Dick. Mm-hmm. No, they're going to treat you like Daquan and Shaquan and T.T. and Dwayne. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> and 
I'm putting the Republican Party on the altar. They this is it. all I'm going to say about politics. The fact that some of them are still holding on to the fact that what happened wasn't as bad as it was. You're telling me that people can storm the Capitol <laughs> with guns mm-hmm. and weapons and Lots whatever they had cocktails. on them. They, they were putting bombs outside of the DNC and right. RNC. And you're telling me that because you are so scared of what a former president has to say, that you don't think that what he did was one, impeachable, and you don't think that it was wrong. You are still saying, oh, the election was stolen. You're still saying, oh no, he didn't do anything wrong. So you're telling me all those people just came to the Capitol and stormed because they wanted to? No. Mm-hmm. Not at all. They were emboldened. They and were... you all are just as complicit yeah. as it. Your colleagues were hiding in fear. Mm-hmm. It's And you're telling me that that's okay? You're saying, oh no, 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 he didn't do anything. No, 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 this isn't. No, no. Where was the same energy when Congresswoman um, Gabby Giffords was shot in the head at a community rally in Phoenix, Arizona? Where was that same energy at Sandy Hook? Where is that same energy at at Parkland? Where's that same energy at Columbine? Y'all have had ample opportunities to be on the right side of history and you still choose to be complicit and wrong. Time to grow backbone, time to grow the fuck up just yeah. if you can't if you can't see that this is a problem then you don't need to be in congress we're gonna put yeah that's a good idea we're gonna put them in the, on the altar too because their party is just all jacked up i mean dnc isn't no better we have our own issues but gop listen they are in shambles they about to like they need to dismantle at this point so we're gonna put them on the altar y'all are on the altar this episode <laughs> shout out to um not even a shout out i'm putting uh these politicians that are making these decisions regarding reopening of schools mm-hmm. i understand it's necessary to some degree because there are certain cognitive cognitive skills that the children need and the in-person learning is helpful however comma if the teachers are being vaccinated but the children can't be how are you adequately creating a safe environment. I don't care if you do two days a week in this group and two days a week with that group. It still does not change the fact that a lot of homes, especially in black and brown communities are considered multi-generational. So you may have the child that's in K-12. You may have another child that's in college. You may have the mom, you may have the grandmother. So you have now have two or three, sometimes four generations all in the same house Mm -hmm. so if they're going to school and god forbid you know kids are like petri dishes and sponges right right they touch anything and Mm -hmm. someone may be like oh oh i like your mask let Mm -hmm. me see your mask and now they've taken their mask and they're exchanging masks regardless of what you tell them they like to touch stuff they they like to go home and they come home and then bring it to somebody and Uh. then grandma gets it right. and then God, grandma got pre-existing conditions yeah. and then grandma so what and now all it takes is one child to get sick right. and you shut the classroom down right so i think people should think and let's err on the side of caution mm-hmm. i understand reopening but if it's not safe don't do it yeah 
I still feel like we need another national shutdown. I know yes, Biden. I just I know we Biden's just need a major. We but. just need a major snowstorm for about a month because right. it has been peaceful. It, yeah. Snow can't nobody do nothing. Yeah. Shut it down. Keep the people inside. Snow is purifying the air. Get rid of you little <laughs> COVID super spreader. Sit down. <laughs> Sit your hind parts down. Everything does not listen. I understand we all have been in the house and we are tired. However, what needs to happen is we need a moment where we just sit still for a minute. Because I guarantee you, if we sit still for a minute, you will see those numbers decrease. I agree. And and things, listen, the world has a way of resetting itself. Right, right, right. Just give it time. Yeah. Because they said when everybody was in the house before, all of a sudden the mm-hmm. air was pure, the animals were just having a grandiose time. Now y'all said, you know what? Oh, now let's get out. Or better yet, oh, my city shut down, so I'm going to fly down to somewhere that's wide open. Right. And like then you come Miami, back. Miami and shout out, oh, Shout out to Miami. Shout out to Houston. Shout out to Atlanta. Yeah. Shout out to Vegas. Like, y'all, y'all are having Vegas. a grand old time, ain't you? <laughs> I miss Vegas. Y'all have worn those little cities out. Shout out to uh, Puerto Vallarta. Shout well, out to Cancun. Shout out now, to I will say that our Mexican brothers and sisters, they do... Their protocol for COVID the, is legit. their protocol. Yes, better than Americans ours. going there. Right, act like they got no sense. Right, right. Um, so, Amen Corner. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Next week, we're going to talk about goal setting and vision mapping. Um, we'll I we'll have our guest Carol Franklin, of Visions Unleash Consulting. So, stay tuned for that next episode. Uh, who are you praying for this week? I am praying continuously for everyone still affected by COVID um, because even with vaccines, it it seems like the numbers are still high. And I am praying that this administration comes up with a solid plan because it's clear that they weren't left with one. Mm-hmm. I'm also praying for everyone that's afraid of the vaccine. I almost want to say you have a choice. I'm not saying take it or don't take it, but make an informed decision. Don't just say, oh, I don't want to do it because of what happened. In Tuskegee. In Tuskegee. Right. (laughs) How about do your research on actually what went down? Don't be so anti something that you don't protect yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I get our hesitation as a community with what has happened with Henrietta Lacks. Um, mm-hmm. um, and some of the other, you know, full positive that's happening in our community, but that was then, and you know, COVID is real. Um, but I, I got to piggyback on that. I'm, a, I'm still continuously praying for um, those affected, infected with COVID. Um, who else am I praying for? Yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. So, Amen Corner, thank you for joining us for this first episode of the second season of Say Amen Podcast. Um, stay hanging there with us. Join the uh, Amen Corner by visiting our website. Get on our uh, email list uh, for updates on merch and guests and other opportunities for you to actually be on our show. Um, and as we always say, may the favor of the Lord fight for you, fend for you, flourish you and surround you like a shield until we meet again. And if you can't say amen, say ouch. ouch. And we are out.